Has there ever been a situation that you've been in where something that was supposed to have power no longer had power? You know, um, I, I think back to when I was a little kid, the, the earliest memory I have of, of a situation like this was my uncle was kind of messing with my head one day at, at family dinner. And, and he, he said, Doug, I want you to look at the chandelier hanging over the dining room table. And he would point at it and do this. And when he pointed at it and went like that, the light would go out. And I was like mystified. I was like amazed. How did he do this? And then he'd point at it again and the light would go back on. And I couldn't believe it. And of course, later he shared with me that every time he went like this, he would lean back on a door which would hit a light switch which would turn the light off. Now he just told me this last year. He had me going for 38 years. Now, uh, we took some of his trickery when I was a teenager, and I wanted to get one of my buddy's friends. Uh, he was vacuuming. We were away at this work camp. He's vacuuming one day, and we came up with this scheme. Like, you know how if water's going through a hose, if you kink the hose, it stops the water from going through it? I was like, yo, why don't we pretend, let's, let's, let's tease your sister. Let's get her to believe that if you kink an electrical wire, it shuts off the power. And so he's vacuuming, vacuuming. And so he would kink the wire, and the vacuum would turn off. He'd unkink it. The vacuum would, would turn back on. Of course, I was in the room room across the hall every time he'd kink it I'd unplug the wire from the wall and then replug it when he'd unkink it now we got her pretty good but she was not the sharpest person she's the kind of person you know you give her a penny for her thoughts you're going to get some change if you know what I'm saying all right and so you know a little fun we had there but but God paid me back for what I did because a couple years ago remember not this past winter this past winter was great man it was awesome it was like 60 degrees it felt like compared to last winter which was evil and snow and ice and just terrible well on the coldest day of the year there was like the middle of a storm I had ice all down my driveway Um, my heat would not go on and so I called the company and said my heat's not going on send somebody out they send this poor joker out it is like I mean snow blowing everywhere ice I had to build like a a, a raft over the ice out of like two by sixes and so he's walking up my driveway of death doomness and he's got all of his tools and stuff and he's walking up and, and we get inside and He's trying to figure out what's going on. Why isn't the heat going on? And he finally figured it out. And I want to read this so I get it correctly because this is from the official report. Uh, and his official diagnosis was this. Light switch to boiler was turned off. <laughs> Genius. Yes, Doug. Thank you very much. We had turned the switch off that powers our heat. There we are. Okay. And so I'm thankful for that incredible professional diagnosis that he gave. But you know what? In all three examples I just gave you, The power stopped because there was a disconnect, right? The first one, the switch was turned off. Second one, the plug was pulled out of the wall. Third one, switch turned off again. And you know what I think? As Christians, we so often live with the power turned off in our lives. We so often live trying to produce things that can only be produced in our lives when the power is turned on, when we're connected to God. But we so often disconnect from that source. And the power in our life gets sucked right out, right? And so we're frustrated and we're feeling like failures. Why? Because we're swinging and, and lunging at things like love, like self-control, like purity, like holiness, like joy. And we are lunging at them in our own strength and missing, failing, falling, and ending up frustrated. Because we keep on disconnecting from the power in our life. I've said it to you before this way. It's like we try to do Christianity without Christ. It's like we try to do Christianity without the Holy Spirit. It's like we want to be like Jesus. I mean, we just sang that, right? All I want is to be like you. But it's like we go, God, all I want is to be like you, and I got this. I'm going to do it on my own strength. You're going to be amazed, God. I'm going to be so like you, you won't believe it. And he's going, you're not going to be like me apart from me. 
You're not going to be like me with the power turned off, unplugged from me. You're not going to be like me, disconnected from me. When you and I walk around that way long enough, man, it leads to some disillusionment and some serious frustration because we simply can't produce the things that God can produce in us. And so there's like a natural level of love, right? We all have love for different things. You can be a Christian, not a Christian. We all love different stuff, right? We love animals and we love food and and we love the Mets even when they stink. And we love all kinds of different things, right? But that's a natural kind of love. But there is a supernatural kind of love. Don't let that word supernatural freak you out. It just means more than natural, right? You could do natural things. God does supernatural things. There's a supernatural love. There's a supernatural self-control, a supernatural joy, peace, purity, holiness, all these things. But when you and I disconnect from God, when we don't stay near him, when we don't stay connected, engaged, close, that power goes right out the window. Now, tonight I want to talk with you and remind you of the importance of this close, connected relationship. And some of you are going, well, what does it look like to be connected to God? You know, I don't see any God outlets around, right? Like, how do I connect to him? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. Some of you might not be followers of Jesus. I want you to see tonight what a Christian relationship with God is supposed to be like. Because maybe the reason you're not all that into God is because maybe you really haven't seen the real thing yet. You haven't seen what it would look like for a person to be in this close, powerful, life-giving, vibrant, alive relationship with God. Because that's what it's supposed to be. Not some dead religious thing. And so tonight, this is what I want to talk about with you. And about twice a year, we bring this topic up because it's so important, but because so many of us miss this, right? So many of us go, yeah, man, I got to stay plugged into God, stay connected, stay near him. And then it's like, we try to do Christianity without Christ. We go, man, I just want to be like Jesus. I just want to be like him. But we unplug and we fail and we fall. And so tonight, I want to encourage you and me to get back to that connected place. If you're already living the connected life, I want to encourage you to stay there and even go deeper. Our team was praying before the service tonight, and the overall sense that I got in my heart as we were praying was this. There is more. There is more. We're seeing God do great things. In a few weeks, you're going to see some testimony videos while we do some baptisms. You're going to be blown away. Powerful, powerful stuff. God's doing stuff. But the overwhelming feeling that I got in my heart tonight as we were praying is there's more. Go further. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, go deeper. Don't just go ankle deep or waist deep. Go deeper in God. And so if you're close and connected, let's keep going. Let's go further. If you're not close and connected to God, let's be encouraged tonight. And this is not me coming down hard on you. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. But let's go deeper in what God has for us. And so today we're going to continue to look at some imagery. Remember the last few weeks we've been looking at these detailed word pictures. The Bible's full of them. They're so cool. All this awesome imagery and these, these illustrations basically that God gives to us throughout scripture so we can learn from them and apply them to our lives and go deeper in our relationship with him. And so tonight, whether you're a Christian or not, I want to talk about this connected life. And so we're going to look at John 15. Remember a few months ago we did a series called Best Chapter Ever, and it was about Romans 8. Well, I I think maybe the second best chapter ever is John 15. And I'm going to ask you to memorize a verse uh, right about in the middle of the message here tonight that's so powerful and so important. But John 15 is this incredible chapter. You guys can look in your Bible. You take out your Bible app. Just don't, don't play Candy Crush. And up on the screen are going to be the verses. And so you can follow right along. But this is such powerful stuff. And John wrote the book of John. And John was Jesus' closest friend, right? I mean, just imagine this for a minute. 
Imagine that you've like walked through life with Jesus. You've seen Jesus on the cross. Some of you guys may have seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ, several years ago, and you saw an image of Jesus on the cross. Some of you guys have maybe thought about what it must have been like when Jesus was on the cross. John was there. John saw Jesus on the cross. And then, even better than that, John saw Jesus raised back from the dead. And so John is this great eyewitness for us, and he records this awesome teaching of Jesus, which is exactly what we're kind of working toward tonight. So John 15, 1, Jesus says this, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, now remember, this is imagery. Jesus is not a vine. The father is not a gardener. This is a picture. Jesus is trying to give us an illustration, and he's using something that the people in the first century would have understood. Jesus may have been right next to a vineyard teaching this. He may have had a vine and a branch in his hand demonstrating this. I don't know. I think if Jesus were given this message today, he might use some language we're a little bit more familiar with. Maybe he would have said, I am the iPhone and my father owns Apple. Apart from me, you can text no one. You know, I don't, I don't know how it would have gone. But I'm guessing he would have used some imagery that's more familiar to us. Today, it's different than then. But then, They knew all about vineyards. They knew all about vines. In fact, through the Old Testament, the Israelites were called the vine all the time. Okay, so they were used to this. And so in this imagery, Jesus is the vine. And we're going to find out in a minute that we are the branches. Now just think about that for a second. How powerful is that? In this description that Jesus gives, he wants you and me to be so close to him that we are like branches attached to a vine. He tells us, that the Father is the gardener. Well, what's with that? What's with, what's with the Father, God the Father being the gardener? Well, let's look at the second verse and we find out a little bit more. It says this, He, my Father, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So what does this verse tell us? It tells us a lot. First thing it tells us is that the heart of God is that you and I live fruitful lives. Not meaningless lives. Not empty lives, not squeaking by lives, fruitful lives, lives that produce something supernatural, something more than just we are. And like a branch that's attached to a vine produces fruit, you and I attached or connected or close to Jesus will produce fruit. Well, what kind of fruit are we going to produce? Well, think about it for a second. If a great branch is connected to a great vine, what does it produce? We got to do some tutoring here, seriously? Grapes? Wow. Tutoring. Tutoring's coming, people. Okay? Produces grapes, right? Well, when you and I are attached to Jesus, do you know what we produce? Jesus kind of fruit. Right? Just like a grape branch is going to, of course, produce grape, grapes from the grape vine, when you and I are connected to Jesus, we are going to produce Jesus kind of fruit. Well, what's Jesus kind of fruit? Well, it's all the beautiful, wonderful, amazing things that flow out of Jesus that attracts me and you to Jesus. Why did we just sing a few minutes ago, all I want is to be like you, Jesus? Why? If he was a nasty, terrible guy, we wouldn't have sang that song, right? But because he's so loving, he's so holy, he's so pure, he's so peaceful, he's so compassionate, he's so gracious, he has so much self-control, we're attracted to that. We want to be like that. And so the more that you and I are close and connected to Jesus, the more that kind of stuff that's going to come out of us. You ever hung out with a friend for a while, and before you knew it without even realizing, you started saying the same words? 
You started saying some of you are like, yeah, don't talk about that. <laughs> Those weren't good words, right? But some of us, we start saying some of the same words. We even start talking some of the same ways. We start to move sometimes like the person we were spending so much time with. And that's the heart of God here, that we would move like he moves. That the stuff that's in him would come out of us. That's the kind of fruit that's supposed to come out of us. So it's things like love, self-control, selflessness, purity. Aren't all these the things that we're flailing at in our own strength, trying to grasp? And he's saying, I want to produce that in you. That's the only way it happens. So let's talk about the bottom part of this verse, because this is so important. It says here that God, the Father, prunes the people that are fruitful so they'll become more fruitful, right? Now, I got to talk about this for a second, because here's what I know. I know that pruning is painful, right? If you were a branch and a gardener pruned you, that would not be fun. That would not feel good. But the purpose is to produce more fruit. And some of you guys are right there in life where life is terribly difficult. And here's what you're tempted to do. Please hear me on this. You are tempted to disconnect because life's so hard. You're tempted to look at God and say, God, if you're the gardener, you don't know what you're doing. You're messing my life up, so I'm going to disconnect from you. But listen, what if the fruit that God wants to produce in your life and my life as a result of this pruning process is exactly what we would want, is exactly what we would need. What if we would be blown away in a year by the amazing job that this master gardener has done in our lives? You see, I get it. I get that life is difficult. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the last thing I want to tell you tonight is put your trust in Jesus and everything will go perfect for the rest of your life. It's just not true. And sometimes you go through difficult things. And I'm going to share some things that Kelly and I and our family have been going through lately. And I don't say these to complain. I say it to just simply say we get it. I understand that sometimes life's really difficult. But it's in these moments that we have to connect even more. If we need to stay connected to God on the good days, how much more on the bad ones, right? And so a lot of you guys know I just got my splint off my arm because I had broken my thumb playing softball. I mean rescuing somebody out of a burning building. And uh, that went well. Um, My daughter Bryn... Uh, has been through a lot. She got a bone contusion on her knee. And, uh, and then we kind of discovered that what seems like happened is she had some strep, strep throat back in the spring. And somehow, even though it was treated right away, the infection spread to her knee. So she's got this infection in her knee now. And uh, we've had her at all kinds of doctors and all different places. She's been at heart doctors and everything all over the map. MRIs and all this crazy stuff. In fact, I have a picture of her being completely freaked out as the doctor is looking at the inside of her knee on the screen behind her. And what you don't see is me on the other side of that, like even more freaked out and grossed out because I can see the inside of her knee, right? Um, then Landon, my buddy, my, my eight-year-old, um, just been through so much. Uh, this is him at a sleep study recently because he had... Um, some tonsil and adenoid issues. And so how are you going to sleep like that, man? Right? Oh, let's put wires and tape all over this kid's face and body. And then, yeah, have a good sleep, buddy. Enjoy that. And we'll get his awesome reading on what's going on. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's what I do before I go to bed every night is wrap wires and tape all over myself. And I, I nestle in next to my teddy, right? Uh, and so there's Landon. Needs a bunch of surgery coming up. Uh, my wife, Kelly, has been through stuff. I mean, a lot of you guys, if you're regulars, you know she's been going through it for years and years. But weird, strange symptoms that nobody seems to have answers for. Um, we had an exterminator at our house dealing with termites. We had a plumber at our house fixing some leaky stuff. We had our air conditioning thing like bust up on one of the hottest days of the year. And um, the next several things like aren't the worst things in the world, but on top of everything else, 
It's just sort of icing on the cake. Uh, one day I'm coming home with my hand in the splint, and I'm exhausted and shot. And um, I pull up on the driveway, and Kelly's front tire is completely flat. So I'm like, all right, this should be fun changing this with one hand. And so I get the jack out. I'm jacking it up. I have it just about high enough to take the tire off. The jack kicks out. Car comes crashing down. <laughs> like, sweet, let's do this one-handed again. Awesome. And so I do that. Then the next night, once I finally got that all fixed, the next night I come home, and I'm just so done with life. You know, I just want to eat and, like, lay on the couch. And so Kelly goes, yo, throw these burgers on the grill. I'm like, great. Throw them on the grill. The grill catches on fire. I walk inside. I said, honey, the grill's on fire. And she goes, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Of course it's on fire, right? So that was great. Um, my car was uh, scheduled to have some work done on it for some recalls. And so I bring the car in. They call me. They're like, it's good to go. I'm like, great. I go get it. It's not good to go. Bring it back. I do this for about a week. I'm literally walking back and forth here in the dealership. I got people from staff driving me. I may have kidney stones again, which is wonderful. Um, and uh, my, my buddy Cade, my 12-year-old, this is like, again, not a huge deal, but just icing on the cake. He's playing in his all-star game, and he's killing, he's pitching well, he's hitting like triples all over the place, and he's just playing so well. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I think he might just be the MVP. I think they're going to give him the MVP on this. This is going to be amazing. I got coaches coming up to me. Yo, he's killing it. We're, we're naming him the MVP. We're going to tell the guy to give him, this, the, give him the trophy. So the ceremony's out. We got our iPhones out. We're filming and they announce the wrong kid's name and give the wrong kid the trophy. And so I'm like, well, can't you give Cade the trophy? Like, what, are we going to take it back from the kid? I'm like, heck yeah. That's my son. You're going to take it back. Who's now doing the announcing up here? Steve Harvey? Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Let's figure this out. Let's get this right, right? And so just the icing on the cake. And so I understand things going badly in like a two-month period. I get it. And you know what? Sometimes... We're kind of just under attack. We need to be praying some more. I don't know if that's it. Sometimes God's trying to find some spots in our heart that need some work. I know one of the things God's been highlighting in my heart is just my own selfishness, my own jealousy, my own pride, my own, um, my own almost drive to accomplish things for me instead of God and the people around me. So God's been highlighting that. But Kelly and I had the conversation that maybe part of this is God lovingly pruning us. And it doesn't feel loving right now. But maybe in six months, maybe in a year, we look back and we go, wow, man, God taught us how to rely on him in that time. God taught us how to lean on him. God taught us how to pray more. God taught us to have greater faith. God taught us to cling. Love was more produced. Uh, Reliance on him was more produced. I don't know. I don't know what he's up to, but maybe the same thing's going on with you, and you have all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And I just want to encourage you, if you've disconnected, to reconnect. Don't disconnect because life's hard. That's when you need him the most. And I think if you give it a shot and you give it time, you will look back and be grateful that you remain connected and grateful that God even did the painful pruning that he's done. And so he's the vine and we are the branches. The father's the gardener and he prunes us and we got to stay connected. Next part here, verse 3. Simple, quick explanation, awesome explanation for this verse. Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So just think about this. Jesus is looking at John, Matthew, Peter. He's looking at all of his followers. He says, you know, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus had told them he was there to save mankind. He had come to die in the place of every sinner, you and me. Rescue us. Cleanse us. If you're here tonight not a follower of Jesus, you don't have to clean yourself up. Jesus cleans you up. 
That's one of the things that we do with fruit, right? We do with grapes. We, we, we take the whole thing, put them in a bowl before we even touch one of them, and what do we do? We clean them off, right? It's not up to the, the branch to clean the fruit. And so you don't clean yourself. You come to God and you surrender your life to him and he begins to clean you. And he begins to do this awesome work in you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then Jesus says this, so powerful, remain in me as I also remain in you. And that's just such a beautiful picture. This is God saying, I want you connected to me like a branch. I want you to draw life from me and I want to give life to you. And can you just think about this for a second? God wants this relationship with you. God does. Some of you walked in here tonight going, God must want nothing to do with me. I've promised him too many times I'd do the right thing, and I haven't. I've been too much of a hypocrite. I've been too much of a liar. I've been too impure. I've been too hateful. There's no way God wants anything to do with me. But God wants this relationship with you. God is pursuing this. Just think about this for a second. You ever been uh, afraid to be almost guilty by association? Have you ever been afraid to hang out with somebody because you don't want to look bad? God wants to be associated with you and me. He knows all of our mess. He knows all of our stuff and all of our issues. He wants to be associated with us. One of the words we we sang or we will sing, I can't remember where it is in the set tonight, but is the term friend of sinners. That's the name, one of the names that was given to Jesus. And it was a derogatory name that was given to Jesus, the friend of sinners. Cool, because I'm Doug Jansen and I'm a sinner and I need a friend named Jesus. The friend of sinners. Wants to be connected to you. Wants to empower you. And can I just tell you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a completely unique thing to Christianity. No one else says, I want to be connected to you like a vine is to a branch. This is no disrespect to any other system of belief or any religion in the world, but you will find this offer nowhere else. Every religion on planet Earth says this. The, the, the deity or the higher being stands up here on the stage and looks down at us, the sinful, broken people, and says, fix yourself, and maybe you'll get up here. Jesus says, I'm leaving here to go rescue them, and I'm going to cleanse them, and then I'm going to empower them to live the life that they could never live by themselves. That's the power of what we're talking about here. And then John 15, 5, this is the verse I want to ask you to memorize. Get this down. You could do it in a few days. Write it on an index card, read over it, uh, put it on a voice memo, listen back to it. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And so Jesus just told us that apart from him, we can't bear fruit. Now he's basically just saying the opposite. But if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Remember what the fruit is. It's love, joy, patience, self-control, purity, holiness, all the things we strive at, all the things we go after. I want you to think for a second about the person that you know that's closest to God. Who is that? Just think for a second. Right? I'm not talking about the most religious person you know, because that's not always the person closest to God. I'm talking about the person that you know that reminds you most of Jesus. Who is that? You know what comes out of their life? Probably a lot of love. They're probably the most loving person you know, the most peaceful person you know, the most joyful. They're probably one of the people that you go to when you need somebody that, that really is going to pray for you. I just want to tell you, that's not a mistake, that they're the most loving and the most joyful and the most peaceful. It's because they're so close to God. Of course, those things are going to come out of them. And that's the potential for you and for me. Then Jesus says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You can do nothing. And I think this raises a good objection, right? We sit here and we go, well, wait, I've done some stuff apart from God, right? I've done some things, right? I mean, like I said earlier, we all have the capacity to love people on a natural level, right? That's something. We all have the capacity to have some self-control. I lost some weight. I got in shape. I did my, I'm not talking about myself, but I, I got in shape. I did my thing. You're all like, really? He's a liar. But uh, I did my thing. I got in shape. I, I worked hard. I, I, I've done stuff apart from God. You're not a follower of Jesus here tonight. Going, I've done stuff apart from God. What do you mean? Why are you saying that? But here's what this verse means. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, apart from me, you can't produce or do anything of spiritual significance. And there's this, this supernatural love I'm talking about and supernatural self-control and supernatural um, joy that only God can produce. And so he's saying, hey, apart from me, yeah, man, you could lose some weight. You could get in shape. You could overcome some struggles. You can love some people in your life, and you can do all that. But I'm just telling you, there's this whole other level of all those things that you can't produce in you. And so apart from me, you can do nothing. We can accomplish the natural Right? Like, I said, like I said earlier, but God does the supernatural. Maybe this illustration will help. My grandma um, has this obsession with plastic fruit. There's plastic fruit all over the house. She's got um, apples, she's got bananas and oranges and, and plastic grapes. And, and I don't understand what makes a sane person like walk through a store of wonderful merchandise and see a plastic banana and say, I must have you. Right? Like, I don't really get that, okay? I don't know if it's like match the plastic on the couch, just, you know. Like if, you're, if you were born before 19, or after 1980, you don't even get that joke. But, but I don't know what the deal is, but, but here's what I can tell you. Like the fruit's nice to look at. Eh. <laughs> the fruit's nice to look at, but it's not going to produce any nutritional value for my physical body if I eat it. It'd actually probably kill me, right? <laughs> but it's not going to produce any physical nutrition for me. And you know what? Just like... Those plastic grapes can't produce physical nutrition for me. Our natural fruit that we can produce cannot produce spiritual nutrition for us. Only Jesus produces that. That's only available in him. So he says, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing. Meaning anything of spiritual lasting value is only done by God. And this is what we're all learning, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is not a Christian talking down to you. This is, this is what we're all in process in trying to learn how to say, God, produce things in me. I can't produce in myself. I'm 38, been a Christian almost my whole life, and I'm still going, God, I got some issues. I got some struggles. Do in me what I can't do in myself. That's the relationship God so badly wants to have with you and with me. Verse six is super intense, but it's powerful. Look what it says. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, there's argument about what this verse means. But my best understanding of this verse is that it's saying in this, in this imagery that anyone that doesn't ever connect to the vine, Jesus, anyone who doesn't look to the vine, Jesus, and say, cleanse me, God, forgive me, rescue me, will be eternally separated from God. And our style here at this church is not to scare you into a relationship with God. In fact, if you think about it this way, this is great news that you're hearing this. You're still alive. You're still on the other side of death. And so you have the opportunity to put your trust in Jesus. If I'm driving home tonight and I'm headed toward a cliff and someone flashes their lights and honks their horn and drives next to me until I get close to the cliff and says, you're headed toward a cliff, I'm going to stop the car and I'm going to say thank you. That's amazing news. I would have just died 
And here's what you have. You have a Savior who came and died on the cross in your place to tell you, you and I, we were headed for the cliff. And he wants to rescue us and give us life and then empower us to live at that supernatural level of love and joy and peace and life. Now, are we going to still fall, fall short sometimes and mess up? Of course. But that's where the grace of Jesus comes in. And we pick our, God picks us back up and we keep on moving forward. But more and more we grow. More and more we're, we're growing in our love. We're growing in our purity. We're growing in our holiness. We're grow, growing in our joy and, and our self-control and our peace. And, and man, we just see this, this growth as we stay connected to the vine, to Jesus. Now, verse 7 is really important. It's the last verse we're going to look at tonight. We're going to keep going in John 15 for the next two weeks. But verse 7 says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, we've got to deal with the last part before we talk about the first part because this is one of those verses that people take way out of context. Some people look at this and go, wow, okay, cool. I can just ask God for whatever I want and he'll give it to me. Now, this, some people say that, and then they think, like, I'll ask for a Lambo and a house in the Cayman Islands and that the Mets will win the next 10 World Series, and I'll get it. And that's not true. But other people look at this first and say, hey, I asked God for something, and he didn't give it to me. I guess he doesn't answer prayer. Well, here's what's going on. We, we forget that the first part of the verse sets up the second part of the verse. You see, what Jesus is saying here is, hey, if you remain in me, if you stay real connected to me and you get my word in you, then you can ask for whatever you wish. Well, why is that true? Because when I'm this close to Jesus, connected like a branch to a vine, and his word is alive in me, then I'm gonna pray prayers that are exactly the heart of God. I'm not gonna ask for a Lamborghini or the Cayman Islands. I'm gonna ask for the things that are on the heart of God. And so that's what God's talking about here. God's desiring to say, hey, get close to me, stay close to me. And when you do, watch your answered prayers go up because you're gonna be praying things on my heart anyway. My dad used to say it like this, that we should ask God for what's on the menu, right? Like, I actually used this illustration today, and then I was mocked and chagrined after I did. Uh, I, I used the example that if you go to McDonald's today and you ask for lobster, like, you're not going to get it. And then someone told me McDonald's is now serving lobster, which is horrifying in and of itself. And it will probably also kill you like the plastic fruit. But if you go somewhere, you go to Taco Bell today, you ask for lobster. I don't think they serve that. You can tell me if I'm wrong later. But we got to ask for what's on the menu. How do we know what's on the menu? It's when we're close to Jesus and when his word is in us. But I really want to drive home the first part of this, and then we'll close out for tonight. This is so important. He says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. This is huge. Because Jesus is really saying two things here. He's saying, okay, you know what it's like to remain in me? Well, you got to have my word in you. Well, what's his word? It's the Bible. It's Scripture. We'll give you one tonight if you don't have one. They're in the lobby, between the lobby and the cafe. Grab one, take it, dig in. You don't know how to read it. Let's talk. Let's get to it. Let's work. We'd love to help you get through that and love to read God's Word, okay? So that's one part of it, is that we got to be in God's Word, and then we'll be, in a way, remaining in Him. But, but listen, please, don't fall asleep on me. Don't tune out, because this is so huge. I, I think we missed this, because I need you to imagine that you're hearing Jesus say this verse. Okay, I need you to imagine you're John. And Jesus is talking to you. And he's saying, hey, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Well, let me ask you a question. When Jesus said that, okay, picture this in your mind. Let's do some imagery here. Picture this in your mind. When Jesus said that, did he have a scroll of the Psalms out? Was he reading God's word to his followers? Or... 
was he talking about the very words coming out of his mouth in that moment? He was talking about this conversation he had been having with his followers. He was talking about the fact that he longs to speak to his children, that he wants to be in this conversation. And here is really the heart of this message. If it's felt so far like how do I connect and how do I stay close, here's where I think it gets practical for you, okay? Because what we have to begin to realize, and we've talked about this so many times, but we forget it so many times, is that God's heart is to keep a conversation open with you all day long. All day long. And here's what a lot of us as Christians do. And I think we have to blame this a little bit on our upbringing because I think we were taught this. I think we were taught you wake up and you open up your Bible and you spend time with God. Five minutes, great. Half hour, great. Hour and a half, awesome. Whatever you got, you go for it. Your passion, your love, go. Good. And then we disconnect from God for the rest of the day. We close God's word, we close the conversation, and we go off and we do real life apart from Jesus. And I think part of what Jesus is saying in this verse is don't disconnect. Yes, spend the time in the morning. I'm a late night guy, and so I spend my time at night. Yes, spend that time. God's not saying, hey, stop that. But I think the heart of God is that we stay close and keep that conversation going all day long, that we're listening. God, what do you want to say to me? Yes, I'm going to open up your word, and I'm going to hear from you there. And the better I know you hear in the word, the more I'm going to hear you hear in my ear. But God, what do you want to say? And it's not an audible voice, but it's the leading of God in our life. It's him walking through our day with us. You know that, that God wants to drive to work with you? He wants to drive to school with you? He wants to help you keep your patience, man. This is Long Island. People drive like psychos. You need Jesus in your car on the way to school and work. When you get to school or work, God wants to walk through your day with you. You just found out you got the worst prof ever, and this semester is going to be terrible. God wants to hear about that. You don't pencil that in for your meeting with God the next morning. You bring it to him right then. You find out layoffs may be at work. Okay, God, let's talk now about this. You're really tempted. You're walking through your day. Somebody says something. You, something pops up on a computer screen. That person entered the building you didn't think was supposed to be there that day. You are so tempted. You don't go, okay, God, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning or late tonight when we have our quiet time. No, God wants to fuel your uh, self-control in that moment. Guys, have your heart broken. Something falls apart. A relationship's broken. A marriage falls apart. Your world crumbles. A, a sickness Financial situation you didn't see coming. God wants to hear about it right there. Keep the conversation open. I've illustrated it like this in the past. Like you got to keep the phone out, so to speak. we got to keep the conversation alive with God. We don't take the phone out in the early morning and then put it away and disconnect. we got to keep the conversation with God going all throughout the day. He wants to drive home with you. This is Long Island. People drive like psychos. He wants to be in that car with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to empower you. And I think... What we know about natural physical fruit, we forget about this relationship with God. Because you know what none of you have ever done? You've never taken a branch of grapes and broken it off the vine, eaten all the grapes, and then taken the dead barren branch and placed it on your counter and expected that fruit's going to be on that the next morning. You've never taken out like miracle Grow Chia Pet stuff and started pouring it on there. No, that's never happened. You know Why? Because we understand that as soon as that branch is broken off the vine, no more life will be produced. And what you and I, I think, so often struggle with is spending that time with God at one point in our day, 
and then we break away. And then we go, God, why isn't life being produced here? Why is my self-control suffering? Why don't I have the love and the joy and the peace and the passion that I thought you were going to produce in me? God's going, stay connected. Stay close to me. Don't disconnect. And so tonight, what I want you to take away from all this, what I want you to live this week is this thought. Remaining in Jesus means staying connected to Jesus. That's how you remain in him. That's how you stay connected. That's how you stay close. That's how you and I live this empowered life where we're not just walking around with natural love, natural self-control, but we have that supernatural thing that God's doing in our life. We refuse to disengage. We refuse to disconnect. We gotta stay aware, stay abiding, stay near in him. And so how do we do this? Well, we talk to him throughout our day. We continue the conversation throughout our day. Something great happens. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for a great result in my class. God, thank you that I got the promotion. God, thank you that he said that I could go and, and do that awesome thing I've been wanting to do so long. I got the time off at work. God, thank you for that. That's so cool. God, thank you. She said yes. I've been asking her out for like seven years. I think I wore her down, Lord. Thank you for that. That is awesome, God. And then we bring the bad. We bring the heartbreaks. We bring the negative. We bring all the bad to him. But we keep the conversation alive. And we let him speak to us through his word. You guys download the Bible version app. Uh, Joey did a great message a few weeks ago at the green room. And he showed me something I had no idea. Do you know you can actually be friends inside the version Bible app? It's like a little Facebook social world media thing happening going on in there. And so I'm friends with a couple people in, in the church now. And so when I read something and highlight it, they see it. And when they do that, I see it. And you can like like their highlight or their new thing they start or whatever. But it's so cool because even though I'm not like calling these people on the phone, I'm seeing, wow, they're, they're spending time with God today. And it makes me want to spend time with God and vice versa. And so God wants you in his word. But he also so badly wants to keep the conversation going. And that means learning how to hear the voice of God. And you know what? I've never heard the audible voice of God, but many times in my life, I don't say this because I'm anything. This is the grace of God in my life. He's spoken to me something. And it's not crazy or weird or nuts, and it's always got to line up with God's word. But he's spoken something to my heart and given me direction. He's spoken something to my heart and helped me overcome temptation. He's spoken to my heart, given me a word to encourage somebody else that was going through hell on earth. And that's what God desires to do. And you know what? Sometimes we make mistakes. Remember that story in the Bible? where this, this little kid, Samuel, that God wants to use one day, is laying in bed one night, and his buddy Eli, who's like this big man of God, is like right down the hall, and all of a sudden Samuel hears somebody call his name. So he goes running into Eli, and Eli's in there watching like the Packers on TV, you know, eating some nachos, and he's like, that wasn't me, man. I didn't call you. Samuel goes back to bed. And this happens like several times, and eventually Samuel, or Eli says, Samuel, um, I think maybe the next time that happens, why don't you say... God, is that you? What does that tell us? That tells us Samuel, who was going to be a prophet, whose job it was going to be to hear from God, made some mistakes when he was learning to hear the voice of God. He thought God's voice was somebody else's. And you know what? Sometimes we make a few mistakes and we kind of figure this out as we go, but it's so worth it. And so God wants you to remain in conversation with him and God wants to be in conversation with you all throughout your day. Refuse to disconnect. Speak to him. Let him speak to you through his word and to your heart. And if you do, and if I do, we're gonna produce much fruit. Jesus kind of fruit. The kind of stuff that we flail out 
flail out and miss over and over and over again apart from him. Because remaining in Jesus means staying connected to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that your desire is to let us draw life from you, God. Forgive us for pushing that aside. Forgive us, God, for not taking that seriously. God, thank you so much that you want to produce in us this life that we will never, on our best day, produce in ourselves. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you begin to pray about that? If you don't like to read the Bible, if it bores you or you don't understand it, say, God, it bores me. I don't get it. Help me get it. Let it be my passion to open up your word. If you get distracted praying, I can relate to that. I get distracted praying sometimes. But God wants you to communicate with him more than you want to communicate with him. And so if you say, God, I'm not really feeling this prayer thing. I'm falling asleep. I can't keep my mind straight. God, would you give me a passion to stay connected to you? God, would you remind me throughout my day to stay connected? Here's what I want you to do. I want you this week, every time you see a light switch, an outlet in the wall, or a light, I want that to trigger a thought in your head to stay connected, to keep the power turned on. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to do that tonight. He loves you. You and I were headed for a cliff. Jesus came, died, fell off the cliff in our place, but raised back to life. And he longs to bring not just salvation and forgiveness to you, but then empowerment to live a different way. And so if you want to put your trust in him, would you pray something like this quietly with me? Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you want to be associated with me You know my failures, my mess-ups, my guilt, my shame. But you came for me anyway. God, forgive me. Give me the gift of salvation and life in you. And begin to show me what it is to live this empowered, connected, remaining life. In your name.